MVPs. You mentioned MVPs, Cameron. Well, I guess my question, uh, the, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my MVP was Jenna Malone in in uh, conjunction with Ray Fiennes. She was extraordinary in the Neon Demon. If anybody saw that, which I don't think many people did, and I can understand why, but she was definitely out there and and definitely committed to that vision in a way that no one else was quite the same in that movie even though there were some some other good performances in there um and then also in nocturnal animals she has a a, a key moment in that movie that it's just a lot of fun um so yeah the one category i would like to just point out is that on one past year, uh, appeared both my f- top film of the year and the worst film of the year, and that was um, Girl on the Train, which uh, I, I like to continue to take every opportunity I can just to... It, it wasn't even Nocturnal Animals. It, it, it made Nocturnal Animals look like a masterpiece, I would say. I would say, well, for sure, for sure. Girl on the Train was not, uh, was not a good film. That was one of the worst for me for this year. But you had Any some MVPs for you, Brenner? Yeah, I had a few performances. Like we've mentioned, Ray Fiennes, but he really did make most of what worked for me in that movie work. It was nice to see him sort of go wild and be uh, a free performer again. Uh, I mean, maybe he's been that for a long time, but I've seen him in a series of things where he was more constrained by the role, and this role was very open, and it was great to see such life in him uh, again. And uh, yeah, it was very, it was a very um, engaging. Performance. Performance. Um, beyond that, there was a, a small film I saw on. Uh, it was. It's on Amazon Prime now, uh, called Morris from America, and it's about a um, uh, African American kid and his father who live in Germany because his father's like a, a soccer coach for a professional team there, and he uh, is single dad and lives with the son. And it's about the son, sort of. It's like a coming of age thing with with uh, some other kids there at the school, but. Craig Robinson is really quite extraordinary in that movie. He's really good. Like I want to see him in more serious stuff like this because he mm. he had so much depth. He was he was really great. I really recommend it just oh, for that. Okay. And it's not a long film either, so you know don't worry about uh, having to spend too much time with it. Um, and then uh, I know people talk about this, but I was impressed. The whole cast of Fences. Uh, was quite good. The movie itself didn't quite fully work for me, but I felt like the cast was really good. I mean, it, I know, right? it, it, makes you, it makes you want to see those same people on stage. Yeah, like, that, exactly. That, it like, left me like, with a feeling like, of like, oh, I just wanted to see the, the live version of this that, that That scene that's in the trailer, like, it, it works in the movie too. Like, with, with uh, mm-hmm. him talking to... With, uh, uh, Well, Denzel Washington talking to his son about you don't have to like me. That's really strong. But then Viola Davis is counter counterpoint to Denzel Washington yelling him like, like the first time I saw that, even without the context of the, of the movie or the play uh, moved me. But then in the context of the movie, it it was just so powerful. But even beyond that, the people who play uh, their sons, uh, his brother, they're all it's it, the his friend from work. Like everybody is just really strong and has it obviously has lived in the role for a long time since they all most of them performed it um, on Broadway. Um, but that it's it's well worth seeing, I think, for the performances. Uh, and then finally, I just wanted to I did want to do a shout out for uh, Ruth Nega and and even Joel Egerton mm-hmm. in Loving, which mm-hmm. I wasn't a movie that I loved, but it was a quiet movie that I that I enjoyed, and they were just both so. I mean, I hate to say it, loving and good in their performance. <laughs> and, and I just think that was, that's something that should not be forgotten. Like, I just wanted to, you know, put a, put a little, another point on that for in, in case 
people were going to turn away from that movie. I think, you know, when it's on video, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Um, so, yeah. so uh, harking back to the very first piece of conversation we had, my six o'clock viewing today was mm-hmm. Pedro Almodovar's Julieta, uh, um, uh? which I, I felt I needed to honor because this was the year I went to Spain twice. <laughs> and I, uh. I've, I've, I've always, I've, I've always loved his films. Uh, most of them have have made uh, many of my top tens in the past. Uh, Skin I Live In was number one a few years ago. Um, I, for the sake of my own sanity, did not see. Uh, let's. I'm so excited just to just to keep my love for Pedro going. <laughs> oh, uh, that was a fun one. But I'm sure frivolous, but, but uh, fun. <laughs> right, but um, this one captured all the things that really. Uh, it was it was it was beautiful to look at. Uh, it was a it was a mostly compelling story. Um, it had a piece of it missing. I felt like there was something missing that didn't connect the the sort of A B. It missed C. It, it had the A B <laughs> and then got to the D and missed that that one thing that that sort of brought us there uh, with a certain relationship that. It hinges on a relationship that you don't realize exists until halfway through the film, and then I feel like it doesn't give you the depth that you need to understand that relationship to make it work to the end, except it's still sumptuous, it's gorgeous, it's colorful, uh, it's sexy, it's all of those things. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that one was, that's a nice three-star movie for me that... Um, I'm I'm glad I I made myself see it, but uh, it didn't quite make the cut. I would agree with that. I mean, that was that was a kind of a disappointment for me too. I um, Almodovar is adapting three stories from um, the revered short story writer Alice Munro, and they are such different artists. <laughs> and I I appreciate the fact that he really obviously loves her work if he wanted to sort of make a movie based on it. But I didn't feel like he was able to capture what she does or mesh it with what he does. And I think that that's what leads to what you're referring to, where it feels like there's just a missing kind of element there. Um, and he isn't able to... Um, his his um, way with melodrama, for me, interferes with her sort of underplaying uh, mm. in terms of the, the writing that she does. And some of the things that he creates feel very surface to me compared to what you can get from the stories. I think he just didn't capture the, the depth in the way that he maybe needed to for it. Um, yeah, would be my reaction to it. Um, I wanted to mention uh, this movie called The Invitation by the director uh, Karen Kusama. Um, it, for me, I saw it before I saw Green Room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, Brennan, you had a really strong reaction to Green Room, as we just heard in our top tens. As Cameron's but, laughing um, at you for. <laughs> no, for me, I mean, The Invitation was... Um, doing a similar kind of a thing, but I okay. think it kind of wrecked Green Room for me because it did it in a much uh, more um, 
drawing me in kind of way than than what Green Room did, I guess. Um, I appreciated some of the, I guess, the greenness of, of Green Room, uh-huh. uh, the very heavy greenness. But I felt like this movie um, has kind of bigger things on its mind, but it also gives you the genre stuff that you want. And it was definitely one that hovered for me in terms of the listing. Interesting. Okay. So I, I would recommend it. Is that um, on anything? Yeah, yes, no. it's on Netflix now. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and there was a little tiny indie that I saw that was really unexpectedly good, and I would recommend it to everyone. It's called Miss Stevens, and it's a film written and directed by Julia Hart, and it stars Lily Rabe as this uh, teacher at a school who's kind of in charge of the drama club, and so she chaperones three students uh, taking them to a drama competition and one of the students kind of has a thing for her and the movie oh, I read about this. Yeah. deals with That's that. On Netflix, right? I'm intrigued. But it, uh, but it doesn't go in the way that you would expect at all. And that's what's really wonderful about it. And okay. the characters are really, really well drawn. And this young actor in it, um, I'm going to try to see if I can look up his name very quickly, uh, Timothy something. He uh, is also going to be seen in Luca Guadagnino's next movie that just premiered at Sundance called uh, Call Me By Your Name. And he's extraordinary in this movie. And I think that he is really going places. Um, And so we'll be hearing a lot more from him uh, in it. Uh, There's a moment that he has in this movie that's quite extended that I won't describe, but if you see it, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, and uh, and you will really appreciate the skill there. Apparently, he um, went to a performing arts high school uh, in New York City, and so he uh, Timothy Chalamet is his name. Okay, good, good. Um, there, were, I did want to mention too. There were three documentaries that other documentaries I saw this year that I think are worth seeing. One of which we talked about, De Palma, which is about the filmmaker Brian De Palma and goes through his entire filmography and and he talks about you know what he did on each of the films. I think that's very good. I also enjoyed uh, Ava DuVernay's The Thirteenth. Well, enjoyed is the wrong word, but I found in, <laughs> I found interesting Ava DuVernay's The Thirteenth, which is about the the prison system and the and mass incarceration and uh, among many other things that it touched. On it touches on, I mean, for me, the, the dangers of privatizing things like prisons and things like that, and what that can do to people's rights and, and uh, human rights. Um, and then the third one that I saw was City of Gold, which is about the film or not the film, the food critic Jonathan Gold, which I didn't necessarily think that I would enjoy for the LA Times. Uh, but it's also it's an it's a good portrait of Los Angeles and sort of Los Angeles over the last you know thirty years or so. And also I saw it as an as sort of a time castle po- capsule portrait of what uh, uh, certainly cultural journalism was and what it is no longer. You know, like what he represents about a time kind of past, and that's kind of sad. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's if you like food and you like Los Angeles, then you should definitely see this movie. So Andrew, I don't, I don't know if you like it, but, but uh, no, I, like, I, do. I yeah. definitely like Los Angeles. <laughs> I definitely want to see it. Is it available on Netflix? No, it's on Hulu, or it was on Hulu. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That was definitely one I wanted to see. 
yeah. There was um, one other movie that I wanted to mention, not as something that I considered for my list, but I we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I don't know if either of you saw it, um, but there, it's definitely something that should be spoken about, and that is Martin Scorsese's Silence. Um, there's a part of me that was wishing that he was going to get that fifth best director slot, because there's part of me that feels like um, what he did was extraordinary and then which makes it all the more disappointing that there are elements of it for me that just didn't work Mm -hmm. and um one of the things i mean i think the movie is extraordinarily well made and extraordinarily well edited by the great thelma schoonmaker who is his longtime editor and i think that they are doing things with this movie that make it better even than it would have been if it had been uh, lesser filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the script I really like by the wonderful Jay Cox, who also wrote The Age of Innocence for Scorsese. Um, what doesn't work for me, and this is why I guess I was curious to talk with you or someone about it, uh, and but I haven't spoken to anyone else who's seen it, uh, is this whole question about... Um, about the silence uh, in terms of the silence of God um, and the, the steadfast dedication to that belief that I know people have. But for me, like that question that he's, he's struggling with in this movie or he's, he's wrestling with, not struggling yeah. with, he's wrestling with, just wasn't much of a question for me. Yeah. And so I can see where some people would be struck by it. And, but I just couldn't, I was, for me, I was sort of like, these answers are easy. So why are we ruminating over this for three hours? Um, the other aspect of it is I think that Andrew Garfield and Adam driver, both are incredibly miscast in it. And it's really unfortunate because the Japanese actors in the movie are so much stronger than they are. Mm-hmm. And so that also tips the balance in a way that isn't right for the movie. And so I would say that it's definitely, if you want to wrestle with something, it's definitely a movie to wrestle with. And I, and because there's this part of me that wants to believe in it and wants to get people to see it. And then there's this part of me that, that recognizes that it just doesn't a hundred percent work. Yeah. I still intend to watch it. I didn't get to see it before our listing, yeah, but, I, but I will. Yeah. And I have to say, I, I have to say part of my reason for wanting to see it now is simply didn't get the fifth best director slot. And I almost feel like I want to see it as a protest to Mel Gibson. And <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, w- I would support that. Um, oh, and uh, that reminds me, I did also want to mention uh, the movie Unexpected Unexpected for me to enjoy this. I don't know, Cameron, if, if you ended up enjoying it, but Edge of Seventeen, which is uh-huh. about a, uh, a 17-year-old girl in high school, um, and it's a couple days in her life and dealing with uh, you know her family changes and, and, and herself, and it's just a breath of fresh air in that genre, like you know, every, you know, every so many years there's a good one and this is that good one for this, for 2016. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, Haley Stanfield, that, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yes. The actress, mm-hmm. yes. She's great. Uh, Woody Harrelson is really great in a supporting role. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he really steps up and the screenplay is just original. The direction is fresh. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. So please, once that's out, people go see that. You'll enjoy it for sure. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely, that's one that's going to be kind of a cult movie, I think, once it gets out on Netflix and things like that, and, and more people are able to see it. Kira Sedgwick is also very oh, good yes, in the yes, movie, yes, 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 too, well. and her, her character is very well drawn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Andrew, any others this year? Okay. Uh, no, it's time for bed. All right. All well, right. You, you take it we will, this we was, will this was put our, everyone, everyone to rest. Yes, this is our performance is at rest. <laughs> 